Welcome to the Engagement Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into the stories behind the people who make up the engaged community. Welcome back to another episode of The Engagement. My name is Jamie Gagne, and today we are talking to Taisha Sanudisi. Did I say that correctly? Sanudisi. Sanudisi. I feel like I'm putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming out, though, um, and talking to us today. Uh, excited to have you as part of the, the podcast. So to kind of kick us off, um, I like to uh, start this conversation by asking uh, first, what are your pronouns? Perfect. All right. So uh, let's uh, kind of jump in. And if you could tell me a little bit about you as far as um, where you grew up, uh, where the beginning of, of life started, and, and we'll kind of go from there. So I grew up in Methuen, Massachusetts, so I am a Mass Fuller Hunt, yes, yes. <laughs> and I um, I grew up there with my mom. It was just us two, so really intimate, amazing home space, and I went through public schools my whole life. I always wanted siblings, never got any, so it was just me and mom, <laughs> but um, grew up in public schools and then actually came to Rhode Island where I currently reside uh, in college. I went to Salve Regina University and I studied social work. Super. And ever since then, I've stuck around in Rhode Island and have built, I, I say Massachusetts is where I grew up and Rhode Island is really where I came into my own, like yeah. where I grew up as right. a person. As like a different adult. kind of grew up. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, so are you, are you married or what, what, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I am. I'm happily married. My wife and I have been together since 2011 and awesome. we got married in 2016. Awesome. And we got married in Massachusetts yep. and um, over by the Berkshires, which was beautiful. I still have yet to, to go. Oh my goodness. You need to go to the Berkshires. Yeah. We we found actually like this um, log cabin on Airbnb oh, wow. that we were able to rent out. And it was just 25, mostly of our closest friends. It was a really beautiful That's awesome. Ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I planned an entire wedding and then mm. the pandemic hit. And then we ended up just getting eloped in the Boston Commons with just mm. us and the officiant and the photographer. Oh. So uh, it was a, but it really ended up being a pretty magical experience. It's not what we originally planned, but yeah. Yeah. I love hearing different people's, um, you know, wedding stories in that regard. Like there's so many different ways to go. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, that that's awesome. So you've been together, you said since 2000. 11. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. And, um, and so what uh, is your background professionally? If you would tell yeah. me. Yeah. So as I said, I studied social work. So for me, I, I was actually the only one in my class that was interested more in like macro social work. So thinking of like systems change, right. like society as a whole. And so I always approached it through the lens of like, what are the gaps in systems and care? And so, which really is what led me to, so my, uh, so professionally, I did more so recruitment and outreach efforts for like national nonprofits, the YMCA being one of them, really thinking about how we can make those programs accessible to um, like people of color and yeah. have them be able to access those services and those resources in the community. And that's ultimately what led me to starting my own business. Yes. Yeah. Of my nannies. That's awesome. I feel like um, most people, when they go into 
the social work field, they tend to think of like the the one-on-one social work aspect, mm-hmm. whereas the aspect that that you were interested in is equally as important, you know, and and, and in fact, it can have a even bigger impact on society. So that's awesome. I, I love mm-hmm. to hear that. Um, in regard to you know, um, you know, being a, a part of the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about um, how how that what your journey was like. Um, you know, discovering your or or um, you know determining that about yourself and kind of what your mm-hmm. how your path went. Yeah. So for me, I so like I said, it was just my mom and I, and my mom was um, she was dating women all the time, and so I had that. I mean, yes, my role model is my mom, but I always saw queerness in my life and my circle, and so I never thought anything differently, honestly. Um, And so I, but really, I think that journey more so unfolded come high school, you know, when you're like questioning yourself and your identity. um, And then college is like a full 180 and you're really diving deeper, but it really started with high school. And I, I was I was really building a community online. I was like, you know, chatting, you know, AOL days. Yep. And I was like chatting, meeting people, like building friendships with people across the country. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to this um, this woman online. And she, I, I really, I was so infatuated with her. I was really into her. And then I remember we decided to date um, exclusively and she was in California, yeah. right? And so I'm in Massachusetts. Right. She's in California. I'm in high school. Like how, where is this going? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm a person that I just, I, I just follow my heart, yeah. you know? And so I was really interested in her and I remember telling my mom and initially I, I think for some folks it, you know, maybe came out to like friends first. I I told my mom, I was like, mom, I, you know, think I'm by starting to date this girl. And my mom was actually, though she was a part of the community, she was, she was actually really dismissive. And she was like, it's a phase, Mm. do your thing. Like everyone's doing that. All right. Right. I was like, hmm, well, that that went a little differently than I thought it would. Um, so not, not that she wasn't accepting, but she really was like, it's going to be a phase. Okay, fine. And then, you know, and then I was openly more so at home, you know, talking to this girl on the phone and, you know, then it was no cell phone. So like she was calling my house and calling her house. Right. And it, it really just evolved from there. She ended up coming to Massachusetts. She was um, a basketball player. So she came to mass, had a, a game where she was in some competition and, we had met for the first time and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I remember bringing my friend along for the first time that we met and just to make sure she was, right. you know, some creep. Yeah. But, um, but it really, it was amazing. And we ultimately didn't make it. I mean, it was, it was a fun high school, right. um, but really intense, but it, you know, it was a, a fun relationship and that's sort of just how the journey went. Yeah. And then would, you know, would tell, eventually tell my friends and yeah, it, so it was really just a very fluid, open conversation yeah. with people. It's very interesting to me, you know, you, you mentioned your, your mom, um, you know, 
growing up with her being a part of the community. Uh, I myself have two kids mm -hmm. and something that um, my wife and I discuss a lot is how we impact them being, you know, a part of, of the community. And uh, my wife just said the other day something about the, along the lines of uh, our daughter said, almost everyone in my class has a dad. And hearing that from her, it made my heart hurt a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and not because I think she needs a dad mm -hmm. to, to have a fulfilling life. Um, but it just is a reminder of the fact that, you know, who I am and who my wife is affects our kids, regardless of how much you try or, you know, whatever the case is, it, it does affect. Mm -hmm. So my, my question is, um, did you ever have any experiences uh, or maybe it, it just never came up or I'm not sure, but did you ever have an ex any experiences as a child with your mother being a part of the community, um, either negative or, or positive or, or surprising, uh, where you had interactions with, say, your classmates or friends or anything where they found out, you know, that, mm. that your mother was a part of the community? Um, yeah, so not growing up because my mom was... I mean, yes, she dated, and she did have some long-term relationships, but for the most part, my mom always presented as sort of like a, a single mom. Right. And so, no, however, what, when I turned, coincidentally, once I turned 18, actually on Father's Day, I, I met, ran into my father for the first time, and he knew, well, I wouldn't not necessarily for the first time. He had tried coming around a bit. That's that's a whole other story. Yeah. But so I, I knew of him, knew what he looked like. We met and, and, you know, I'm 18 and he wanted to build a relationship. And so he actually, he was one of the first people I can recall that commented in, in, in a negative way about my mom's sexuality mm -hmm. and how, um, yeah, it, he's a born again Christian and we'll get into more mm -hmm. about him but he talked about how it just you know it was a sin and how she raised you like this but also in the same breath saying how he respected how she raised you but he was one of the first people that yeah. you know that really insulted her mm -hmm. honestly that was rude yeah yeah did you did you ever find yourself um questioning or you know think thinking about that aspect of things at any point throughout your life like um when people would say things like that like oh is this um wrong or, you know what i mean mm -hmm. did, did those thoughts ever happen for you and surprisingly no because i grew up in a home that i i saw that and it it, it was my normal honestly i really did not think that, I mean, certainly, sure. I also, I mean, you know, the messages from society are certainly very strong. Of course. But, um, but I was always in this safe, I don't want to call it a bubble, but just this safe environment mm -hmm. that it just, it never really stuck or sort of penetrated me, you know, and made me feel, um, you know, sadly or, yeah, angry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did, do you, um, did you have any, any uh, friends 
or people you knew in school who were also a part of the community? Um, or when was your first interaction with someone outside of your mother? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it when you started the dating things, you know, or? Yeah, definitely starting the dating, doing the online. I really, I did a lot of that. Um, from high school on, I actually was a part of, I can't believe I'll say it out loud, but I was a part of, at my first introduction to online chatting was, I was a part of a Jessica Simpson <laughs> message group, like a chat room. Oh <laughs> and I loved her album when it first came out. And then I started messaging people through there. And, and then it just evolved from there. But but really it was, it was in high school and grade school. No, I really can't think of many people or, or certainly any people that were like in my community, you know, yeah. close friends that I had that relationship with. But I certainly sought that out and was, you know, much more out and a part of the community come college yeah. and beyond. Which is, I, yeah. I think, is pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it, when I was in high school, there was, as far as I, it was uh, made known, there was mm-hmm. one other queer person mm-hmm. that went to my school. Mm-hmm. And she was a senior when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So it was for one year, right? Yeah. That um, it was yeah. actually, uh, a, they were a couple, it was a lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. And I remember think like finding myself, in a, and I think I came out like my sophomore year, mm-hmm. right? So my freshman year, still very much in my head. And I remember like um, being, um, I don't want to use the word obsessed, because mm-hmm. that sounds yeah. way creepier than I, <laughs> than I intended to be, but because I was, you know, trying to figure out who I was and whatnot. Like I found myself wanting to watch them interact mm-hmm. and and just curious right. and whatnot. Yeah. Um. And so I think that so you know there's there's definitely an interesting element when you grow up not surrounded by people like you. Right. Um. Right. And so uh you know kind of leads me to to my next question in in a way um you know uh one of the the, there's many things that make someone considered um a minority Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. uh you know i i know what it's like to be a woman Mm -hmm. and i know what it's like to be to be a part of the the queer community Mm -hmm. uh one thing i have zero knowledge of uh, from personal experience is what it's like to be a black queer woman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, when I reached out to you um, after we had met and asked you to be a part of the podcast, um, you know, and then I started coming up with these questions, I I really wanted to make sure that we were able to have that as part of our conversation because it's mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's a, it's a subsect of our community that... Is, needs even more support mm-hmm. than than just the whole community as a whole, right? right. And so I, I I wanted to ask, you know, what? Um, tell me a, a little bit about your experience. Um, you know, if you've experienced uh, discrimination or bigotry, or um, even uh, something as simple as being out in public with your wife. Mm-hmm. When it, you know, do you have some experiences that maybe you could share mm-hmm. in regard to that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, for me, you know, I say that, yeah, obviously there are many identities that we all have as individuals. And 
And being queer is an identity that can often go unnoticed, right? If I'm just mm-hmm. by myself, I mean, you're not going to know I'm queer, right. but you will always see me as a person of color, right? Mm-hmm. And I, um, yes, I do identify as, as black. I, my, um, my race ethnicities are that I'm um, Puerto Rican, Dominican. So, um, so that's the lens through which I feel I'm always confronted. And so for me, also being queer, it's uh, being in, in this community, the, the majority of the spaces that we have are nightlife, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. that's, that's a huge, I mean, that's a whole other topic. There needs to be some more spaces for us yes. during the daytime when we're out right. in the community. Especially but, as you get older, right? You're like, right, I exactly. I can't, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And so for nightlife, particularly going out to the club, I love dancing. Mm-hmm. So even now, I mean, if I could go out dancing, I am in the happiest state of life. And so I have been to many, you know, different clubs, lounges, whatever, and often those are spaces um they can be spaces that are predominantly white and so i've been to those spaces and i go and you know there's usually a a group of us and i can think of two instances where i was out and you know the music the music just wasn't the type of music i like to listen to and i that i want to dance to and so I remember on two separate occasions going up to the DJ and requesting like some Latin song, you know, some Spanish music, reggaeton, bachata, whatever. And DJs very dismissively saying, no, it's not Latin night. Right. I remember one DJ saying, it's not Latin night tonight. I say, that's fine. Do you have any music you can play for me? <laughs> Does right. it need to be Latin? Right. Like, look. And at that, for that particular situation, there were like 10 of us. And I was like, you've got 10 people that would like to listen right. to some Spanish music. No, can you, audience, I'll give you a song asking. title. Right. Can you look it up and can you play it? You know, mm-hmm. they were, no, no. And so I did not. And so one of the other people in our party was pretty pissed and was white. And, and so she she, you know, felt empowered to talk to the owner. I mean, made a big, you know, well, we're all leaving because this is not an accessible place for all the people that I'm with. And that happened another time as well. So definitely that has happened pretty frequently. And so I, I often think about that the queer, the queer spaces that we have in communities are predominantly white. Right. And if it's not white gay men, that's a whole right. other thing, right. you know, the gay community and then mm-hmm. the, you know, lesbian community. But it's white gay men or it's white women. And mm-hmm. so that is a, definitely a struggle. You have to find the clubs that will do the, Latin, you know, that do the Latin night. And you know, OK, that's this is music I like. You know, this is my people or. um yeah, you have to authentic, you have to find those spaces, and yeah. those spaces are few and far between. So that's certainly an area for sure. And then, as I mentioned with um, with my father, he um, I I as a child, I really yearned for having a father figure in my life, and it was it was really growing up. It was something that I really struggled with in middle school and high school, and feeling like I was 
uh, alone and didn't have, you know, that, that figure as well. And so once I met him at 18 and I, I made the decision, yes, I would like to have him in my life. You know, let's see where this goes. I don't need him in my life, right? Because I'm, I'm an adult, maybe I don't need him, but I, I would like this relationship. And so we would have, you know, we would get together, um, some really sweet moments. There was one time that he, on my birthday, which he didn't know my birthday. And then I had, you know, let him know when my birthday was. And he had got me this wooden, um, it was like a bear, a wooden bear. And he had commented how this was, you know, for all the years, he wasn't able to give me a teddy bear. He was giving me something so sweet, right? And so really beautiful moments. And yet, he is a born again Christian. And oftentimes we would have phone calls that would be so long because that man knows how to talk. Yeah. And he would talk for an hour. And one conversation, particularly, he was just going on and on about how you know, gay people walk blindly, hand in hand. They are sinners. He just basically went on a sermon about how being gay is a sin. He knows that my mom grew up with this lifestyle. I hope you don't have the same lifestyle. <laughs> and it was it was absurd. And but particularly, so I never, even at 18, I never came out to him. It wasn't, I was like, you're not, you were never in my life. You don't need to know that part of my life. Like this is how I'm approaching this relationship. And so then there was, I, I have many brothers and sisters from his, um, from his side and I'm friends with quite a few of them through social media and, you know, I'm my authentic self on social media and somehow it must have, you know, it came back to him that I, I am gay and I'm married to a woman. And he sent me this, this message through WhatsApp. And it was a voice message, which he has not never done. I didn't even know he had WhatsApp. We never communicated on <laughs> right. that platform in my life. But he found me and he sent me this voice message and he just went on a tirade about how he can't believe this, how my wife will never be allowed in his home. <laughs> I was like, I've never even been to your right. house <laughs> as an individual. Like, this is never a scenario that would happen. But he just went on and building this church in the Dominican Republic and how he feels he needs to tell me this message and it was it was ridiculous and it was it was more anger than anything I I still don't feel sadness about it it was just straight anger and I would, and I told him pretty frank I'm not having this conversation with you this is not up for debate right and if you're going to continue to spew this hatred mm -hmm. and this bigotry I don't need you in my life and yeah. it was really I mean it was pretty open shut door yeah. um but yeah unfortunate how I mean it's just yeah yeah I, I just people yeah you know I, and many other hats that he wears right know? yeah I, I've had a very you know uh, interesting relationship with with uh, I don't know if that's interesting but uh relationship with with uh religion throughout my life in that when I was young, I was very fascinated by it, mm. you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of it was like the, the sense of community really yes. is what it was. Yes. Um, I, I loved that. Mm. But the first time I sat in a church and listened 
to, you know, this church leader stand on a stage and tell us all why it was such a sin mm. to be gay. Mm-hmm. That changed everything for me mm. when it came to religion. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just interesting meeting people and hearing people who preach, you know, the love of God. And then in the next sentence, spew hate exactly for people exactly. and when you know when when it's said that um you know sin is sin is sin you know all of our sins are equal mm-hmm. but yet you're telling me all the things i'm doing wrong right mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. i uh religion has always been something that just makes me uncomfortable yeah. as an adult mm-hmm. um i just don't i just don't go there yeah you know i just i believe in being a good person mm-hmm. and doing right um, and I feel like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if I do those things, then I, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, obviously you know, the, the podcast is called the engagement. Um, and as you know, uh, we, we started, um, engage, um, you know, as a, as a way to build community within our community. Right. Mm. Um, there is, uh, you know, as you kind of alluded to, it's, it's, really our only options in, in, in general as an adult, as well as within this community to meet others and, and try to build that sense of community is to go out. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm 33, I think. <laughs> I always have to do the math. Um, and I don't want to spend, I mean, I love to dance as well. Uh, I, you know, the, uh, the rare occasion that we go out or whatever, I love it. But in general, I'd rather you know, do low key things and whatnot, um, which is part of the reason why we, you know, started Engage. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you think that had Engage been a common thing throughout your childhood mm-hmm. um, that it possibly would have shaped things a bit differently in regard to your access to um, more people in the community? Um, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, especially like I said earlier, being in a, in a high school where you're one of the only people in the community, it's like that is needed. Um, do you, just curious on your thoughts on that? Like, do, do you think that, uh, how, how do you think that would have, would have changed things for you? Um, if at all? Yeah, I mean, certainly it, it certainly would have, would have helped me to see, uh, more to see that it was, uh, you know, a, a thriving, diverse community that was accessible, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I really, I had my mom, so I'm thinking about, I, I sort of had a cousin, but I, I mean, really, I could two fingers right. of the people. And so, and for me, particularly, I, you know, I identify as an extrovert. I am all about finding community, finding people that gives me energy, gives me joy. And so, of course, if I had had a platform like that, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. I did find those spaces, you know, later um, around maybe late high school, early college. I I remember um, a a website called Downlink. And that Uh, was, I remember that. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) And that was a community that I, I made, uh, 
a lot of friends in Providence who know that platform. Yeah, I know, right? When you said, like, oh, yeah, right, like Black Planet was another one, yeah. but that wasn't specific to queer people, but Black Planet and Downlink. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent many, uh, spent many an afternoon after school on, you know, AIM. Yes. Uh, you know, updating right. my little, I don't remember what they called it, you know, like the yeah. little yeah. away message little, or whatever. Yes. Oh, goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, there's not that anymore. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I definitely want to hear uh, more about your, your business. Um, so mm. Peace of Mind Nannies, is that the correct mm-hmm. title? Yes. Uh, tell me, you know, you told me, you know, you started um, in social work and that's what you went to school for. Right. Um, so tell me kind of how you got to starting this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I was working in higher ed and it was it was a difficult environment for me and so i was i had applied several places i had some interviews but really not much and it just got to the breaking point and i decided no hey i've i in college and um, i started working professionally with children i worked through some babysitting agencies down in Newport and was nannying on my own part-time. And so I decided in leaving higher ed, I was like, let me just go back to working with kids again. Like I just need to feel that like unconditional joy that I always get working with kids. And I was exclusively working with kids with disabilities. I was working with, um, this amazing young boy who was on the autism spectrum. He also had cerebral palsy, a physical disability. And I worked with some some other kids with um, some other uh, disabilities and through Medicaid programs. And those parents were, specifically moms, were sharing how tough it was for them finding care, particularly for the Medicaid programs, the organizations, um, do not have, I don't, I'm not sure, but for some reason, parents need to find these workers on their own, right? So it's not specifically a nanny babysitter, but it's like finding these Medicaid workers and parents were struggling the lengths they would go. There was one mom that I worked for who was um, a stay-at-home mom and talked about emailing all these professors at colleges. I mean, just, it was insane, all of the lengths that People would go. And so I just, the wheel started turning and I said, hey, why isn't there a service for kids with disabilities for childcare? It seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to start it <laughs> because there wasn't one. And I was like, this is a gap. Yeah. We need to be helping these parents and all parents because my agency, you know, we specialize in care of kids and young adults up to age 22 with disabilities, but not exclusively. And I just, I saw a need, mm-hmm. you know. Did you start the, the, the business on your own or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started on my own. I remember I was thinking, I had this idea. I remember going to the first workshop I went to was through the Center for Women in Enterprise. Mm-hmm. They have a few chapters um, in Mass and New Hampshire, et cetera. And it was a business planning workshop. And I sat in that class and the facilitator was like, all right, I'd like everyone to do introductions, your name and 
what's your business or what's your business idea? And I was like, Oh shit! Like, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's see. This right. is, you know, it's really uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me to sit. And so, I, you know, I introduced myself. I said, mm, you know, this is my idea. And everyone in the class was like, Oh my god, that's that's a great idea. Oh wow, I never thought of that. And I was like, Shit, I'm onto something yeah. here. You know, and that that honestly that gave me the confidence and. Literally, it was a business plan workshop, so it gave me the foundation to building the business. Without CWE, I don't, I don't know where the, I don't, I still would have been in my head, you know. How long ago was that? That was in 2019. Okay, so right before the pandemic, really. Yeah, right right before the pandemic, I spent all year. I went to so many workshops, and that worked like crazy. And kicked off the business in January of 2020. Oh, goodness. I was so excited. I already had 10 people on my team, sitters and nannies ready to go, and had no clients, but the world shut down. I was like, so how did you how did you navigate that? Was it just one of those scenarios where you just kind of had to wait it out um, before you could totally because I mean we were talking about kids, right? Childcare, Mm -hmm. you know, and and particularly for our services, it's usually parents that have kids under five that are right. looking for this service, right? And so I completely shut shut it down when the world shut down. It was like, let's figure out what is going on <laughs> before I know that I can keep kids safe right. and keep my team safe. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I mean, you know, we all know that, that story how that went, but it really was around a little before the summer, late spring that, you know, we had, we had some research, we knew what we were dealing with and, and parents were struggling with doing distance learning at home. They really, they were all working from home. They were trying to do distance learning. I was like, I I think I, I know enough that we can start up at least our nanny services right. for now. And so that's what we did for 2020, just our nanny services. Honestly, I could count on how many, <laughs> one hand, how many clients I had in 2020, but I had some. And then 2021 kicked off our babysitting services again. I was like, okay, it seems like parents are trying to go out again. You know, let's let's right. put this out there as that service. And then it wasn't until the summer of 2021 when, you know, the state of Rhode Island allowed events to happen. And I was like, all right, well, if events are happening, there's a need there. I know how we'll do it safely. We'll all wear masks. We'll all test, you know, all of the things and keep it going. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, of course, so many businesses were affected by, uh, by COVID in many different ways. We didn't really start, um, you know, the, the serious building of Engage until, um, uh, early last year. So mm. it was, you know, we had pretty much figured out everything by then as far as, um, you know, uh, people being able to go back out into into society. Although mm-hmm. part of me thinks, you know, maybe had we had this thought, you know, five years before, it would have potentially exploded during COVID because no there was such a need then, no uh, an oh, extra yeah. need, right? But, yes. you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as uh, as your business is concerned, where what areas do you um, do you serve, if you will? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we serve all of Rhode Island and 
exciting news that we'll be expanding into Massachusetts, awesome. which is great starting this summer uh, around Memorial Day. And uh, primarily are going to focus for now on Southeastern Mass, so sort of this you know, 195 corridor as well as, or, or and uh, also the Cape and Martha's okay. Vineyard. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so um, as far as your, your model, if you will, is concerned, mm -hmm. is it um, kind of a situation where, where a client kind of um, interacts with the same caregiver every time and kind of does their interactions through that same one, or is it kind of like whoever's available? How does that work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is primarily this, the same caregiver or caregivers. For nannying, yes, it's definitely, it's the same nanny, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever the family's schedule and needs may be. And then for babysitting, I I let parents know that it is best to have, uh, you know, I call it a babysitting team. So two or three folks that they've, you know, vetted, interviewed, because on a given night, you know, ex nanny ex sitter may not be available so i know that you know your second favorite or you know your other care team uh, member is available so that's how i approach babysitting and then for events um yeah for events i mean they're group events so we'll have you know five plus sitters that will be either you know providing childcare during the wedding or the conference or we actually just did a um an event with the National Guard and Army Aviation Association, and it was their um, yellow ribbon ceremony. Awesome! Um, and so we did childcare there. So I, that when I heard when you you know first told me about your your business, and I heard about the event, um, you know, childcare. To me, it's like my mind was kind of blown because mm -hmm. it's like that is. Sir, I mean, I, I didn't have as much experience with the other aspects of it needing that, but. Um, you know, there's been occasions where you have an event and it's like the people I would normally ask to, to watch my kids are going to be there, you know? So it's <laughs> yeah, like, okay, exactly. now what do I do? You know, right. I, yeah, I'm not going to go on Facebook marketplace right. and ask for, you know, a stranger to come watch my kids. So yeah, yeah. I love that. Or it's like, yeah, my, my in-laws, you know, are in the area, but like, they gonna be up for that right. night? Right. No, probably not. And exactly. so, yeah, I find that that that's a huge. I think that's you know the of our three services, folks are like oh, most mm -hmm. flabbergasted by the event care. And but it's a neat. I mean, parents. There are so many events that parents cannot go to yep. because they do not have childcare. Yep. We need to make these events accessible. Absolutely. So that's, that's Absolutely. What I love it. Yeah. Um, as far as the you know the people that you're bringing onto your team, mm -hmm. uh, say for instance, there's a listener who's interested in, mm -hmm. in potentially doing what? What's the uh, you know what do you look for in someone in their background or, or yeah. expertise? Yeah. So in order to be eligible. You can be a college student that is studying, you know, child development or early childhood education, for example, uh, or and or, you know, have at least a year of professional experience working with children. Um, our nannies have at least three years, usually, um, and that and you have to be a U.S. citizen. Um, unfortunately, I wish that that was not the yeah. case. But technically, with a nanny relationship, it is an, uh, an official household employer-employee relationship. Yep. So because of that, um, it, it does need to be someone that is a citizen. 
and and that's it and all of that information is on our website peaceofmynannies.com you can click on that nannies heading or peaceofmynannies.com slash nannies and you'll find all that information including the application awesome. and honestly only six percent of applicants get on our team which certainly speaks to i mean the exclusivity of it yeah. but also just having a multi-step vetting process right. we're getting folks that are committed dedicated and will be providing reliable child care for yeah. you yeah which yeah. is important that you know mm -hmm. as a parent i certainly of course want to make sure that the person that um i'm trusting uh to watch and and keep my child safe is has gone through that um mm -hmm. how about um do they go through like a background check uh, process or? Definitely, yes, okay. yes. They're going through a comprehensive criminal background check, the social security number trace, sex offender, and also motor vehicle check because Perfect. usually nannies may be doing like school pickup and drop off. Yeah. So we're running that motor vehicle check as well to make sure yeah. they're safe. That's definitely one of the, the other big benefits in my mind uh, of going through an agency like yours is you know, if you are, if you were to hire someone privately, um, mm -hmm. not through an agency, like one of two things I feel typically happens either one, you have to put up, you know, the money to get these, all these checks done. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe not even be able to use the person at the end of all of that. Yeah. Or the other side of that is you really need the care. And so you kind of go off a gut reaction of, your interaction with the person and skip those steps and nice. risk, you know, your child's safety and whatnot. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's awesome that, you know, having that option. Right. Um, and, and also I'll say, because I have worked through babysitting agencies, I, I was often in being in those positions. I was often the only woman of color as well that, that was in that role. And so I've really approached Peace of My Nannies through this lens of, yes, being someone who's queer and ensuring that, you know, anyone of any identity feels welcome to be a part of our team. And, and actually to that, through our interview process, you know, we'll ask folks like, you know, what are your pronouns? And I, I mean, the number of times that I've had applicants say, wow, that's, that's the first time anyone's right. ever asked me that. Why? Right. Why? Right. And so, and and also, you know, normalizing saying pronouns and asking folks their identity mm -hmm. and not, you know, their gender. But um, that and and also ensuring that we're getting more diverse people there because, like I said, why why am I the only person of color in these rooms? And so, right. I ensure um, that folks that even you know that worked at the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, mm -hmm. like yes, you can also be a caregiver. Right. I'll give you. A little more extra skills but mm -hmm. you are perfectly capable if you have worked with a group of any age right. kids and you have been able to like wrangle them and yeah. you know and and support them and their growth and development you right be excellent nanny yeah and please please give us a call absolutely mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome um you know we uh love supporting um i love supporting small businesses in general but particularly uh, my my passion lies with supporting small businesses that are owned by by members of the you know queer community, mm. um, and so you know one of our one of the features on Engage is is Flens List where people can rate and review businesses based on how queer friendly they are, mm -hmm. and or find 
queer-friendly businesses, uh, mm -hmm. which is huge, especially when you're bringing someone in your home, um, such as to care exactly. for your children, right? Like, you, that's not something you want to find out after you've hired them and they're in your home yes. that, oh, you know, I, you know, don't, I don't agree with your lifestyle. Exactly. Not a conversation you want to have. No. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a business like yours, um, hearing, you know, you take the time and effort to make sure you go through those steps is uh, reassuring mm -hmm. and, and just, it makes me happy to hear. Mm -hmm. So, so thank you for sharing that so much. Um, so we're kind of wrapping up here um, on this episode. Uh, I once again want to thank you for taking the time to drive on out to the Engage office and, and share your story and information about your business. Um, certainly look forward to, to working with you in, in many different capacities going forward. Um, if someone, we kind of discussed if someone's interested in the nanny aspect, um, if you could just tell the listeners one more time, if they're interested in your services, mm -hmm. where would they go um, and kind of that information, if you would. Yes, yes. So certainly you can go to our website at peaceofmindnannies.com. That's P-E-A-C-E of mindnannies.com. We're also on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. And um, you're also on Engage. And I am on Engage yep. as well. Yep. And uh, you can find me on any of those platforms. We, like I said, we do the nanny babysitting and event care. What I didn't know is that also if you go about finding a nanny or babysitter on your own and you want that extra layer of peace of mind, we can run those background checks for you just awesome. as a final step before you ultimately hire anyone. You really thought of everything, yeah. haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I try. You're, you're a true <laughs> business owner. And I also love seeing women owning businesses. Yes. It's so awesome to see. And yes. even more so, people of color who are also women. And, you know, it's just like all of those things together just makes me happy. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you're here today. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a great talk. And uh, I look forward to, like I said, working with you again in the future. Awesome. Me too. Thank you so much. Absolutely.